So this morning, I, I assigned the role to Bob. Bob, do you have the things that I gave you? Who, who has the index cards? Oh, Wally, can you? Oh, <laughs> all right. As quickly as possible, can we get those things handed out? Um, so what we're handing out, look at that. They're on top of it. Everybody get an index card. If They have some pencils, but we don't have enough. Um, but I just, we're going to just humor me for a minute. It may seem corny and tacky, but I promise you it'll all turn out pretty good. And uh, I apologize for my height, but I, can't, I don't fit on the top of the podium, so I have to stand down here. So on this 3x5 card, as you see on the screen, um, it's not just Thanksgiving time, but it's also the Christmas season, and Christmas is literally weeks away. And uh, I was, we were actually on our honeymoon, Kim and I, we were in Mexico or on a cruise towards the Mexican Riviera, and on one of the stops, we stopped in Puerto, Vi Puerto Vallarta, I'm Mexican, I have to remember that, and there we were doing a walking tour, and then I saw a Starbucks, and I'm always, I love seeing Starbucks just because they're like home, right? You can go in there and it's always the same, and so I walked in there to get something to drink, and it was already decorated for Christmas, and I was thinking to myself, it's not even, you know, I thought this was just a U.S. kind of thing where they start decorating like right after Halloween, but Apparently, in Mexico, they, they had that, and it just felt so good because for some reason, Christmas time is the best time of the year for me. It's the colors. It's the slightly cooler weather, um, and it's just, I just love it. The Christmas music is going to start next week, and we're all going to be tired of it by Christmas, but I still love it. But I had this idea. On this index card, I want all of you, and I know some of you are like, I don't do these kinds of things. Well, just, just oblige me, please. Write the three things you really want for Christmas this year. Three things that you really want for Christmas. Now, I know some of you parents are like, yeah, we don't do this. Yeah, you do. Come on. They're still inside. You still want something for Christmas. So just write three things that you want for Christmas. I'll give you a minute. Three things you want for Christmas. Now, having said that, this past week on Wednesday, I not only had our three kids, but I also had someone else's kid, plus my sister's two little boys, that I was somehow became a babysitter for the day. And so my three-year-old nephew and I were sitting on the couch, and we were watching television, and as soon as we turned on the television, these commercials came on. Now, how many of you like commercials while you're watching television? I hate it. That's why I only watch recorded TV now, because I can't stand the commercials. So my nephew and I, we were sitting there. He was cuddling with me. We were watching, and these commercials come on. And I don't even remember what the toy was, but the first thing he says is, I want that. I'm like, what? I don't even know what it is. He goes, I want that. So I'm like, okay. The next, I thought maybe it was something he knew. Then the next commercial came on, and it was some other dumb toy. And he says, I want that. And I'm like, and commercial after commercial, even for things that weren't even advertising stuff, even for movies, he continually said, I want that to every single thing that was advertised. Now, he's not a poor child. His parents do pretty well. I mean, he has tons and tons of toys. I mean, he, there's, in their garage, there is plastic containers filled with toys that they don't use very, or, or that they use very rarely. So this kid has toys upon toys upon toys. If you walk into their house, I mean, he has all the latest stuff. And yet, on Wednesday evening, when he was sitting there with me, he, he, he said, I want every single thing that was presented to him on the television screen. Is this something that only happens to children? 
I mean, are kids the only ones that want more? I mean, what do you guys say? No. No, it happens to all of us. It happens to me all of the time, and I find myself wanting that next thing because I know that I need to have it for my life to be better. But the reality is, is what? As soon as you get that thing, what happens? They come out with an even better one of those things, and then we want that. Now, with this said, the fact that this is Thanksgiving week, for most students, they get the whole week off. Do I really need to remind you to be thankful for what you have? I mean, do we really need to be reminded of that? Or is that the last thing that you wanted when you came to church, to be reminded to be thankful for what you had? The things on the index card, if you don't get those things, will you still be okay? Will you still be alive and thriving in life if you don't get those three things you really want? Will you die if you don't get those three things you really want? Will you be a little bit upset if you don't unwrap them on Christmas morning? Like you somehow got cheated because you didn't get these three things. And yet, if I were to ask you to make a list of all of the other good things in your life, do you think that you would fill up a bigger index card? Yeah, if we take the time to look around our life and see all of the good things that are already in it, we may not want these three things. Now, I have a quick story that I want to share with you. Last night, Kim was telling me about a family that adopted another family for Christmas, a family that was very poor, didn't really have money for anything. And she said that this family, it was a mom and a dad and their children, they adopted this family. They bought them like a set of pajamas and like a, kind of just like a basic toy of some sort. Um, and, and that the kids of the family that gave the toys that that year they told the mom, we don't want anything for Christmas because when they gave the, the pajamas, okay, just a set of pajamas and a small toy to this other family that had nothing, those kids went nuts and loved it. And so these other set of kids that are used to getting toys on a, on a, on a yearly basis, they said this year, I don't want to get a gift. If I asked you to make a list of the things that you got last year for Christmas, would you remember all of them? or the year before. You see, we get these gifts, but usually six months into them, we stop using them, or they're in a closet somewhere, or they're broken, and then we just keep looking forward to the next Christmas, and what happens is sometimes Christmas just becomes about getting more and newer toys, and in the process, even though we talk about Jesus, Jesus and the birth of Jesus gets kind of put in the background, doesn't he? Even for us adults, when we're frantically looking for the best deals to buy things for our kids, sometimes in the process, we lose sight that Christmas is about the birth of a king, that Christmas is about the one who was born into the world to allow you to continue to live and live until eternity. Sometimes we have to take the time to be reminded that we must be thankful for what we're given and maybe not want so much more. I am guilty of this myself. I, I'll ask him. I'm always wanting something newer, okay? And she has to, you know, tell me no. Something I've also learned being married for a week. I don't always get the final say. In my mind, she lets me think I do, but it doesn't always happen. And you guys know what I'm talking about. But we have to start in the beginning for this. So Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were created, right? God creates. 
Adam and Eve, and God places Adam and Eve in the garden in a paradise. If you were to go on a vacation, you go to the Bahamas, you go to the Caribbean somewhere, you go to beautiful places, maybe Hawaii, because you want to get away from the city and you want to go somewhere beautiful. In the beginning, God creates Adam and Eve in this perfect paradise, in this perfect creation. And in essence, God gives them everything that they needed. God gives them everything that they needed. He gives them food. He doesn't give them clothes because apparently the story tells us they were naked, but there's a whole a bunch of other layers that we have to discuss at another time. But they had everything they needed to live. Above and beyond that, the Bible tells us from the story that Adam and Eve had a direct connection to God and they actually spoke to God face to face. When God puts them in the garden, in essence, he says, live, enjoy, imagine, create the world. God makes the world, but he tasks Adam and Eve to build the world the way they saw fit. I mean, whatever they wanted, God says, you do it. You procreate, populate this earth. This is your gift. Now live into it. They were given everything they needed, but what happens is they wanted more. Have any of you ever known somebody who seems to have it all, who seems to have it all, and they want more? So in the news this week... Some of you may not know who that is, but the guy is a basketball player for a team in San Antonio or Texas or one, Houston, I don't know, um, who marries Longoria. Um, at, to some, she's beautiful. It's not my cup of tea, but, you know. He marries, he has the best job, he gets to play for a living, that's what he does, he gets to play basketball for a living, he makes millions of dollars, has all the homes, has all the cars he wants, has a beautiful wife, and then what happens? You guys know, come on, I know some of you guys watch the news or read TMZ. Yeah, he cheated on his wife. He cheats on his wife. He seemingly has everything, but he wants more, and in the process, he loses her, and he loses credibility. I'm not going to see him the same way anymore. He wanted more, and in wanting more, it led to something very destructive. Have you ever known somebody who has it all and wants more? Whenever we get into the cycle of wanting more and more and more, it leads us down a destructive path where ultimately you may end up with very little. Now, he may get married again. He may not suffer very much, but you understand the process that this is destructive and bad things happen when we have not learned to be content with what we have. So the story in Genesis is 3 verses 4 and 5. The serpent said to the woman, Eve, you will surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of when you eat of it, the fruit of this tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like who? And you will know good and evil. When you eat of this fruit, you will be like who? God. She was given everything, both her and Adam, because the story would go on to say that she gives the fruit to her husband who was with her, okay? So this is not a blame on a woman or a man. It's both of their faults. They messed it up for all of us, okay? You will be like God. They had everything, and yet they wanted more. Would, I, would you say that this might describe your life sometimes? 
We're pretty rich people, aren't we, even if we're poor? Even if we don't make very much money, we are still richer than most people in all of the world, and yet every new commercial that comes out tells us that if we don't get this new thing, we will not be complete. And yet someone very, or, or someone writing thousands of years ago says the following. He says, seek me. This is God telling the prophet, seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not enter Gilgal. Do not cross over Beersheba. For Gilgal will go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. Now, you guys reading this, you guys have no idea what Bethel or Gilgal or Beersheba is. And you don't have to know. Those were the big metro, I mean, those were the places where you would go to find riches, to find success. Those were the places you would go to find fame and stardom. And God says to the Israelites, don't go there because you think you're going to find what you're looking for there. You think you're going to get rich by going there. You think you're going to make it big by going there, he says. But in order for you to live a, not a successful life, but in order for you to live a meaningful life, it begins by seeking God. Does it say when you seek God, everything else will fall into place and everything will be good? Does it say that? Does it say if you seek God, you will be free of problems, you won't have any debt, you're going to have everything you possibly need? Is that what this is saying? No. He's saying that in order to truly live life the way God created us to live is that you must seek God in all things. And when God becomes the center of your being, your life will be full and meaningful. Look, we're all going to get gifts for Christmas this year. Most of us will. They are not going to make us more meaningful people. They are not going to give more meaning to our life. They're going to give us something that we'll like for a couple of months and then we'll forget about it. The biblical pattern for truly living life on this earth is to seek God. Does it say seek God, get saved, get baptized, do all of the right things, pay tithe, come to church every Saturday, wear a suit, be vegetarian, all that other stuff? Does it say that? See, somebody who truly wants to seek God or will seek God and let everything else fall into place. You see, what we want in our society is we want a formula to everything Pastor, tell me how do I get closer to God? The thing is, I can give you a formula. You could follow it. It may not work, right? It's about whether your heart is open to the reality of God entering into it. So I want to read to you from the, from the scriptures what it means to be content, what it means to be fulfilled, what it means to be and find happiness. And so Paul says this, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be what? Content, happy, fulfilled. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed oh, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, for I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The sermon could end right here. Paul says, I know what it's like to be poor and have nothing. I also know what it's like to have everything. And I've learned the secret to being content. Now, I want to read to you a different scripture, uh, a different translation of the same text, and then we're going to unpack it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. 
I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Real contentment, your happiness, your meaning in life is not based on the circumstance you find yourself in. Does that make sense? It's not your circumstances that make you happy. So if you're rich, that's not going to make you happy because do you know somebody who's rich who's very unhappy? Do you know somebody who's poor who's actually happier than the person who has all the money and everything he wants? You see, sometimes we think, oh, my life is so hard right now. That's why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. The reality is, is the scriptural model is that regardless of whether you have everything or you have nothing, it doesn't matter what circumstances in life you're going in, whether it's good times or whether it's bad times, that is not what makes you content and happy. You see, we, as humans, we like to pawn off everything. Like We like to have excuse for everything. Oh, well, the reason I'm feeling this way is because of this. Really? We have one life to live. And if we live it blaming everything else, you're going to find one day looking back on your life and saying, I wish I would have done it differently. Yeah, we'll live into eternity, but that's going to be a whole different kind of life that you, you and I cannot even begin to imagine or fathom what it will be like. For the scripture For the writers of the Bible, for Paul, he says, it's not about what you have or don't have that's going to make you happy. He says, I have found my meaning and I have learned to be happy because the one who makes me creates me to live in this world. And it's not about what you have or don't have. It's about what you give yourself to and who you give yourself to that will make your life more meaningful. To give your life meaning and content and happiness is about giving your life to God. But what that means isn't just, God, I love you. It's not just about praying and reading the Bible. It's about that stuff translating into how you live your life on this earth. So the idea is that you must give your life to God and also give your life to others. The first part is easy, right? God doesn't talk back to us. (laughs) The first part is easy. The hard part is when we choose to live our lives for others. So I want to I give an example of this. Um, up until about a year and a half ago, all I ever had to worry about was myself. What I was going to eat, where I was going to live, what I was going to wear, what I wanted to do for fun that night, what I wanted um, to watch on television, where I wanted to go, how I wanted to spend my time. You get the point, right? Up until a year and a half ago, I decided for myself, and all that really mattered was who? me. A year later, or or I guess a year and a half later, my life is no longer about me. And I have to consistently remind myself daily that it's no longer about me. There's four other people in my life now that are more valuable and more important than I am If you've been single and then you get married and you have three kids, it is a culture shock. It is painful. Not because of them, 
but because of what we've accustomed myself to. But what I have found in the last year and a half is that my life has never had more meaning than it does now because it's no longer just about me, but it's about them. Do we have a perfect, happy home all the time? No. (laughs) That's not the point. The point is that times will be tough and things won't always be easy and we are going to get mad at each other. But as long as we're willing to live for one another, we will make it through till the end. Paul says it's not about the daily circumstances that you find yourself in. If you're waiting to get a better job and more money and then you can be happy, Paul says kiss that goodbye because you're still going to be unhappy. Your happiness and your contentment has nothing to do with the size of your bank account or with what you have or, or with what you don't have. It's about whether you've given your life to the things that really matter in this life. Have you given yourself to the things that really, really matter? Now, oh man, it's almost 12 o'clock, so I'm going to speed through this next part. Philippians 4, 13. No, next one, because I just went over that. So this is Paul's way of explaining what we just said. Paul says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Has anyone ever talked bad about you before? (laughs) And it wasn't true. Maybe it was true, but maybe it wasn't. Have any of you been experienced such dire circumstances where you could feel like I'm afflicted in every way? I just want to give up. I am, what does it say? Um, We are persecuted. We are struck down. We are weighed down. I mean, it's like, he's like, dude, we are getting beat up every single day. How many of you have felt so beat up that in the morning when you wake up, you just say, I would rather just stay in bed today? Paul says this has happened to all of us, but instead of, his, instead of him just having pity for himself and feeling sorry for himself, what does he say? He says, we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we will not be driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we will not be destroyed. He had every reason to give up and throw the towel in and say, forget it, I'm done. I no longer want to keep moving forward. And yet he says, no, all of these things, these are for nothing because we carry in our lives the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may manifest itself. What that means is this. To carry around the death of Jesus is that Jesus gives up the right to live a human life, okay? Jesus could have lived a successful life if he wanted to as a human being, right? He could have done whatever he wanted to. He could have had kids if he wanted to. He could have been married and had a family. He could have lived a a lucrative career in the first century. I mean, Jesus could have done whatever he wanted to. And yet he chose to sacrifice everything in his life so that he would give you and me the ability to live and flourish and have the abundant life that he talks about. So Paul says this, he says, we remember that every single day in our lives. And when you remember what God has given to you, when you remember the gift of life and grace that Jesus gives to you, our only response is to live a life of gratitude. 
a life of thanksgiving, a life that acknowledges that no matter how good or how bad things are, how much or how little we have, a life of gratitude is one that lives for other people. For thanksgiving, at a season when we are told to be thankful for everything, I want you just to stop and think about, for those of you, and I know there are some who may be feeling sorry for yourselves because life has just been so difficult for you, I don't know what's happened in your life, but remember that there was one who, who was abused beyond belief, and yet, even after he is dead, God resurrects him. The very worst thing that can happen to somebody in this life, death. God resurrects Jesus, and he gives us hope in the fact that if God can resurrect the dead, whatever you're going through in your life, God can give you new life. That's gospel. That's what the Bible teaches us. And Paul says, God's grace is sufficient for me. He says, God's grace is sufficient for you, for, oh, for my power, this is God speaking, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast, I will brag, I will talk all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am happy, content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Do we really want that in our lives? I don't. And yet Paul says, bring it on. I want all of that. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because he said earlier, I can do all things. I can survive all things. I can surpass all things through the one who gives me strength. In this Thanksgiving season and in the season of Christmas, or as I call Advent, we can focus on what we don't have or what we don't open up under the Christmas tree. We can focus about all of the things we want. But I would challenge each one of you to stop and think about all of the things you already have. It's not about what you get. It's about what and who you give yourself to. The truly meaningful, happy joyous life is a life that is not lived for yourself but is lived for others that is the model jesus shows us and that is the one that he hopes that we would live into for the abundant life can only come when it is lived for other people with that said this afternoon i mean rather right now following the service uh, we will be sharing in the patio back here i believe it's was it bread grapes juice it's a time for us to get together. So we invite all of you to come in the patio back there. Come and just hang out with us for a little bit. It's Sabbath. There's nowhere really you have to go. <laughs> Maybe. Just spend some time with us. Get to know us. I will not be standing in the back today. I'm going to go straight over there um, so that that way you can, um, I would love for you guys to say congratulations, but we're going to be over there. <laughs> so come on by and we can, um, we can do that.